I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Visit Wales are proud to sponsor the RHS Gardening Podcast. To find out more about Wales's beautiful and historic gardens, go to visitwales.com slash gardens. Hello and welcome back to the RHS Gardening Podcast, sponsored by Visit Wales. Every fortnight we bring you a mixture of features and discussions exploring every aspect of gardening, plant care, garden design, pest control, container ideas, growing your own fruit and vegetables, plus expert seasonal advice on what you should be doing in your garden right now. I'm Tony Dickerson, one of the team of horticultural advisors based here at RHS Garden Weasley in Surrey. Coming up in this edition, perfect potatoes and pest prevention. We hear how to choose, grow and harvest a bumper crop of the nation's favourite tuber. RHS experts reveal what pests were the most problematic for gardeners in 2013 and what steps you can take to protect your plants in the months ahead. And, as always, we have the latest news on RHS events across the UK. But first, let's go outside and find out what jobs the horticultural teams are tackling this month. My name's Mike Ferguson. I'm a horticulturalist here at RHS Garden Wisley. Um, I'm a member of the Herbaceous Ornamental Team. So our area is quite a varied mix of planting. So we've got shrubs, trees, but also uh, perennials, herbaceous perennials and grasses. So this time of year, one of the key jobs that we will be doing is dividing, lifting and dividing some uh, perennials that have perhaps grown out of their space. So after a few years, they might uh, be going dead in the middle or kind of collapsing, not holding their weight throughout the season. So a good job to do now is lift them with a fork and put two forks back to back into the clump and push them forward and divide the clump. And then they've got some free plants that you can redistribute and give some to your friends as well. Another job that we'd also do is cutting back the grasses. We have a lot of ornamental grasses down by the glasshouse landscape area and obviously they're deciduous, although they're great for winter interest. So you leave the old dead stems up for the winter, but now is the time to cut them back, ready for the new growth in the springtime. Hello, my name's Ollie Wilkins. I'm the fruit, veg and herb team leader at RHS Garden Wisley. It's been an exceptional last week, week and a half, um, and that's uh, brought on a lot of plants really early. So at this time of year we've got pears in flower four weeks earlier than normally expected which is very strange but equally quite nice after the the, the winter um, we've got peaches and nectarines flowering um, in our glass houses which we're pollinating as we speak and of course the rhubarb has sprouted and shot up and uh, we've had forced rhubarb um, which we've harvested now and sent to our restaurant and uh, also equally we've got some that we haven't forced that are pretty much ready to harvest now so we'll be looking at taking those and taking no more than a third 
from the crown. And obviously as well, we're actually planting rhubarb because now's the time of year to buy in cold stored rhubarb crowns, asparagus crowns, cold stored strawberries. So we need to get them in as soon as possible because uh, they'll have been in store all winter so we need to get them out. The principle of planting asparagus and strawberries are quite similar though actually uh, in that you're looking to plant um, with the crowns, uh, with strawberries, at the crowns at the level of the soil, with asparagus crowns slightly below the level of the soil, but you're planting on a ridge and that's really important. So if you imagine the roots of your strawberries or your asparagus as spider legs, you're hoping to have half either side and the, the body of the spider, the crown of the, the, stru- the strawberry or the asparagus, planted on that ridge. And that ridge is only about f- uh, five centimetres in height, about two inches then. Um, but that's really important for good drainage and good establishment of those plants. And then you need to start thinking about fertilising, a general purpose fertiliser at this time of year on the plants that are coming up, rhubarb especially, but uh, generally all forms of um, fruit and vegetables will be given a a good fertiliser at this time of year. We'll be doing fertilising our blueberries soon and we'll be fertilising all our soft fruit gooseberries and cane fruit raspberries. So it's important to start putting on fertiliser now. And unfortunately, as much as the warm weather is nice, all the pest populations have have sprouted into life so we've seen aphids on our strawberries we've seen caterpillars already so we're having to keep a vigilant eye on uh, on those creepy crawlies and where necessary having to treat them so if i could give any advice to home gardeners right now it would be start checking for pest and disease damage and start treating as early as possible whether that be picking off by hand whether that be sprays or any other uh, pest control methods it's definitely worth start looking now You can find out more tips and advice and video guides to seasonal tasks in the garden on the gardening pages of the RHS website. On the site you can also find practical guides to repairing damage caused by the recent wet weather and flooding, from waterlogged lawns to damaged trees and shrubs. rhs.org.uk forward slash gardening. I'm Tony Dixon and you're listening to the RHS Gardening Podcast. Possibly Britain's favourite vegetable, potatoes are hugely versatile and a staple of many people's diets. It's hard to beat the taste of a freshly dug boiled potato and more and more people are taking to growing their own to get the fresh plot to plate taste at home. If you're thinking about trying potatoes this year, now's the perfect time to get growing. We spoke to experts at the recent RHS Potato Day event that was held in London to find the secret of cultivating the perfect potato. There are so many types of seed potato available, how do you decide what variety to choose? Chris Smith from Pennard Plants in Somerset. They need to think how they're going to grow them. They're going to grow them in pots or bags. They're going to grow them in the garden. Uh, Once they've really decided that, then they can decide on the variety. The the best thing to do is to decide whether you want a waxy or a flowery or a salad potato, the type of potato you want. Then have a look at all the different varieties that are around. You then need to decide when you want them to be ready. So first earlies will be ready in May and June. The second earlies in July and August. The main crop are the ones you grow for September onwards and you store them for the winter. Uh, So you've then got to choose what colour flesh you'd like, what colour skins you'd like, whether you want big potatoes or small potatoes, whether you're going to mash them, boil them, roast them, have them as a jacket. There's so many decisions to be made, but you can buy potatoes that you'll never ever be able to buy in the supermarkets and some of the flavours are just amazing. Well, I think if you look at first earlies, um, ones like Lady Crystal and Maris Bard, which were in the RHS trials in bags recently, both do very well. They're very easy to grow. There's another variety called Accent that makes lovely, small, waxy potatoes. 
you want to go for salads, you know, don't grow Charlotte. It's still our biggest seller, but you can buy Charlotte in stores. So grow something different. Grow Belle de Fontenay, grow Cherie, grow Roseval. Those are just varieties that have wonderful flavours. They're French varieties, and the French really know about flavours in their potatoes. On second earlies, well, Kestrel is great. It's a flowery potato. Something like Marfona or Estima make really big jacket potatoes. Main crop, grow whatever you've got space for. I'm still a great fan of King Edward. Golden Wonder is a really good flavoured potato. Nothing to do with crisps at all, but a really good potato that stores just absolutely brilliantly. There's plenty to choose from. At the end of last year, the RHS completed a trial to find potato varieties worthy of the coveted award of garden merit. This is the RHS mark of reliable plants that will perform well for the gardener. My name's Amy Rayner. I'm currently trials team leader at RHS Garden Wisley and uh, myself and the team that work with me grow, grow the plant trials uh, for the Award of Garden Merit Awards. So we had 21 potato cultivars in the, in the trial. We grew two uh, containers of each variety. The containers we were using were 40-litre bags uh, you can buy all sorts of different time, types of potato bags for growing your potatoes in. The, the forum who were assessing the potato trial were looking for taste, texture, appearance and yield. They're also looking at resistance to pest and disease, early, earliness and uniformity across, across the potatoes. Three varieties of potatoes that were recommended for the Award of Garden Merit, which is the society's uh, brand for really garden-worthy plants. Casablanca, Maris Bard and Sharps Express. There were three varieties that the forum reconfirmed um, Award of Garden Merit for, which was Charlotte, Lady Crystal and Vale's Emerald. Well, we had a, a trial of potatoes in the ground in 2007 and we've had previous trials of potatoes. This, the contain, early potatoes in containers was quite unusual. We hadn't had a trial of that type before and, and potatoes in containers are quite popular at the moment because people can grow them on their patios or in urban situations. Once you've chosen your potatoes, how do you ensure you get the best results from your tubers? Chris Smith from Pennard Plants in Somerset. Potatoes need one or two things. They need reasonably rich soil. It needs to be reasonably well drained as well. So if they're going to grow them in bags or pots, they need to make sure the drainage is really good because otherwise the tubers will develop but then they'll rot if they get too wet. And that's usually the cause of most people having problems with growing their potatoes. If they've got an allotment, well, they've got plenty of room, then they can grow as many potatoes as they possibly can. It'll help break up the soil uh, if they've got heavy ground and it will give them a really worthwhile crop. Well, like most veg, they need a sunny position. Uh, they wouldn't like to be underwater for any length of time and they need a fairly open position where they get a, a good airflow because that helps to keep some of the diseases at bay. Like everything, if you grow them in sacks or containers, they need more attention. In the ground, they virtually look after themselves. You can run through with a hoe and get rid of the weeds occasionally, but even if the ground gets weedy, they'll still keep growing. But if they're in sacks or containers, they're much more prone to drying out getting too wet lack of fertilizer but they're quite easy to grow in pots don't want to give the impression they're not they just need that little bit of extra attention what are the pests and diseases that affect potatoes and how do you protect them hi i'm anna platoni i'm an entomologist at rhs wisley probably the most common pest on potatoes would be slugs um, they enter tubers um, tunnel and hollow out from the inside um, in a 
where they're a particular problem, you can lose the majority of your main crop potatoes. They're very tricky to control because if they're feeding on the potatoes, they're below the ground and so won't come into contact with any slug pellets. Um, you might like to try um, a nematode treatment, um, which will find them under the ground. Um, other ideas would be to raise the potatoes as soon as they're ready, not leaving them in the ground too long, which makes them vulnerable to more damage, um, and reducing the amount of um, organic fertiliser you put on. There are several common diseases that affect potatoes. The most feared by gardeners is potato blight. Liz Beale is a plant pathologist here at RHS Garden Wisley. The most common disease people will find when growing potatoes is uh, potato blight and that's caused by a fungus-like pathogen called Phytophthora infestans. It causes brown lesions um, on the leaves and the stems and you also get brown lesions eventually on the tubers of potatoes. This will cause eventual death of the plant and uh, loss of yield. Uh, Another one is common scab found on the tubers and blackleg which causes blackening of the stem base. Uh, the common scab, you'll find scabby lesions on the tubers, um, eventual cracking of the potato, black leg, um, you'll see blackening at the base of the stem and yellowing of the foliage and stunting of the plant. There's not really many chemical controls. Uh, basically, it's being vigilant, keeping an eye out, um, removing seed potato that's already infected so not growing that with black leg, you need to take out any plants infected rapidly so it doesn't spread to the rest of your crop. If you have an infected plant in a container, particularly with black leg, then it's pretty likely it will spread to the rest of your potatoes. So it might be best to try a new crop if you've got enough time in the season. Um, if it happens late in the season, it's best to harvest what you can um, and use, use those before they become infected, especially with potato blight as well. There is more information and a guide to potato cultivation on the Grow Your Own pages of the RHS website, rhs.org.uk forward slash grow your own. If spring sunshine is making you eager for some garden visits, here are some current attractions and events to try out in the coming weeks. Come to RHS Garden Rosemore on the 22nd and 23rd of March for a special alpine weekend. Find out how to grow alpine plants successfully, the conditions they prefer and suggested planting combinations. Illustrated talks are 11.30am and 2.30pm outside in the plant centre. On the 26th of March, RHS Garden Hyde Hall plays host to an early spring pruning practical, a demonstration given by RHS experts. Learn pruning techniques to give your garden plants renewed energy and growth. Learn how to grow carnivorous plants at the RHS Garden Whistley on the 29th of March from 10am to 1pm. Find out about the conditions and growing media needed for these fascinating plants such as Venus flytraps and have a chance of potting up one yourself to take home. Details of all these events, as always, are on the RHS website at rhs.org.uk forward slash gardens. Remember, if you're an RHS member, you get free entry to all our four RHS gardens. If you'd like details on how to become a member of the RHS, just go to rhs.org.uk forward slash join. Another benefit of RHS membership is free gardening advice from our expert advisors. Members can contact the team by phone, email or letter for free help with any gardening queries. One of the most common areas of inquiry is garden pests, how to identify them, prevent and get rid of them. Each year the team analyse the inquiries they have received to identify what have been the biggest problems that year and to predict the patterns for the year ahead so that gardeners can protect their prized plants. 
Hello, it's uh, Andrew Salisbury here, Senior Entomologist for the Royal Horticultural Society. And today I'm going to talk about our top 10 pests. Um, each year we add up all the inquiries we get and we work out which are the most popular. All right, in at joint nine, lily beetle. It's a bright red beetle and its grubs um, are covering themselves in their own slimy black excrement and they feed away on the leaves of lilies and fritillaries. It's a pest that was once confined to southeast England but is now widespread in the UK and if you grow lilies you will come across it. Handpicking or pesticide is the only control. At joint nine we have ants. Ants don't directly damage uh, plants in gardens, but their uh, soil moving activities can disturb plant roots and cause mounds in lawns. And of course, the odd species stings. These are difficult to control. Uh, there are biological controls and pesticides that can be used on hard surfaces, but not plants. In at number eight, and for the first time ever in our records, which go back to 1967, plum moth. This is a, a moth which has a pink maggot that burrows into plums. It makes them inedible. And we're not entirely sure why it was a big problem last year. And it is a pest that's difficult to control. You can use pheromone traps which um, give off the smell of uh, female moths which attract in the male moths. The male moths get stuck and hopefully you get some mating disruption and fewer maggots in your plums. It's a pest that can appear very damaging, basically because the uh, plums which are infected with the caterpillar ripen first. So at the beginning of the season, as your crop is ripening, it can appear as almost every single plum is infected. But fortunately, as you go through the season, more and more of the plums do not have the maggot in them. At number seven, we have one of the uh, usual uh, pests we get in the top ten, and that is glasshouse mealybugs. These uh, sap-sucking bugs are covered in a white, waxy material that repels liquids and makes them difficult to control with insecticides. They also produce an awful lot of honeydew um, on which you can get a black, sooty mould growing. Honeydew is the excrement produced by an awful lot of sap-sucking insects. Basically, sap-sucking insects such as greenfly, blackfly, mealybugs and some scale insects, they're feeding on the plant's sap. And basically, there's too much sugary liquid there and they need to expel an awful lot of it. And the sugary liquid is flicked out of the back of the body and often lands on any object below it. It's aphids on lime trees, or greenfly on lime trees, that is the reason what you, if you park your car underneath a lime tree in the summer, it gets sticky. And on this honeydew, you often get a black, sooty mould growing on it. The mould is superficial, just growing on the sticky honeydew excrement mealybugs very difficult to control there are pesticides you can use and there is a, a biological control a ladybird you can introduce to your glass house however mealybugs is one of those pests that once you've got it, it can be almost impossible to get rid of right at six we have glasshouse red spider mite otherwise known as two spotted spider mite that's because it's not often red it is actually pale green with black markings usually just two little dots but you do need a hand lens you do need um, a magnifying glass to see these things they feed uh, by sucking the sap out of plant cells the plants often go mottled and can lack vigor this is a pest that's mainly confined to glass houses but can breed out of doors during the hot summer months and again, it's a difficult pest to control. Uh, really, you are limited to pesticides or there is another mite you can introduce as a biological control, which eats glasshouse red spider mite. Into the top five now, we have cushion scale. Now, this is a, a very common pest that uh, becomes quite obvious actually in the spring. 
It's a scale insect. This is a sap-sucking true bug, and it feeds on thick-leaved evergreen shrubs. A, a true bug is actually a way that entomologists and uh, biologists have of distinguishing bug, which generally means all insects or even all invertebrates, uh, and distinguishing the true bugs, which is a an order of insects. So saying true bug is like saying beetle. It's actually a, a separate order of insects. They all have sucking mouth parts. Many suck the juices from plants. Some suck the juices from animals, so the bed bug is a true bug. And others uh, prey on other insects and uh, suck, suck the juices from them. And it's maturing at about this time of year. And what people often first notice is a black sooty mould growing on the honeydew excrement of the scale. The scale then produces white egg masses. And these egg masses can be about 50 millimetres or half an inch long. Uh, found on the undersurface of leaves as things like rhododendron, camellia. And uh, the eggs hatch in midsummer. And that's when you actually need to take control. But by midsummer, the uh, honeydew has stopped being produced, the sooty mould has broken off, and people often forget that that's when they need to spray the plants that are infested so that hopefully they don't see the problem next spring. Number four, another new entry for 2013, and that's mice and voles. Now, mice and voles in the garden can do a wide range of damage. Voles gnaw the bark off um, woody plants, and that can be above ground or um, below ground, so you can get plants keeling over because the bark has been removed. Mice will take fruits and nibble off seedlings. Uh, now, their numbers tend to vary from year to year and place to place and can go through massive peaks and uh, troughs. And this is thought to all be to do with the availability of food and their parasites, diseases and predators. So last year was hopefully um, just a one-off year when they were high in number and hopefully we'll see the numbers drop this year. Mice and voles are very difficult to control. You can set mouse traps. But generally, you don't really, when their numbers are high, you don't have a great deal of an effect on them. And it is usually a case of waiting until their numbers drop back down to normal levels. Now we're into the top three now, the worst pests of 2013. And at number three, we have capsid bugs. Now, capsid bugs are, are sap-sucking true bugs. They're uh, about half a centimetre long, so under a quarter of an inch. They're often green, quite quickly moving insects. And what they do is they also, like all true bugs, feed on plant sap. The problem with capsid bugs is, is where they feed, they kill the plant cells they've been feeding on. And they tend to feed on developing flower buds and developing leaf buds. So what happens is either the flower bud completely aborts and leaves open and you get tears and distorted leaves. This can affect a wide variety of plants, uh, including things... Uh, but Fuchsias are particularly prone and can be very heavily distorted by them. These can be difficult pests to control and really your only option is to spray with an insecticide as soon as damage is, is noticed. Now, these pests are also at the highest for about 20 or so years um, and hopefully again their numbers will drop back down next year. And the top two now, vine weevil is in at number two and it, it is usually the second most inquired about pest um, here at Wisley. The one centimetre, just under half an inch long grubs uh, feed away on plant roots, typically in pots and containers over the winter months uh, and they can kill plants. So at this time of year in spring, when you're expecting your plants to start pulling away uh, into new growth, they can just collapse. You lift them out of the pot and you find grubs with brown heads. The adult weevils, which are around during the summer months, 
They feed on the foliage of plants and cause notch-like damage around the edge of leaves, typically on thicker-leaved evergreen trees and shrubs. It is a pest that is difficult to control. The adult weevil is black with some uh, yellow-flecked markings and about a centimetre, just under half an inch long. These can be found feeding at night on a wide range of trees and shrubs and causing notch-like damage to the edge of leaves. The only thing you can do about these is to remove them by hand. You can stick newspaper under plants and give them a shake and you may get a few more that way. And do, of course, look at night when they're most active. The grubs, which uh, are, are present from late summer through to spring, can be treated with pesticide in pots and containers and there is a biological control, a tiny parasitic nematode worm that can be watered in that infects the bodies of the grubs and kills them. All the adult weevils that are seen are female. This is an insect that can reproduce without the need for males and each female can lay getting on for a thousand eggs. They can't fly, but they are prolific climbers. You can see them walking across ceilings. Uh, They can climb almost anything and they'll even latch onto clothing and be spread around that way. So even putting your pots on feet will not protect against this pest. And finally, the number one, as it usually is and where they have been for, for seven out of the past ten years, it's slugs and snails. Slugs and snails can feed on a very wide range of uh, plants, but seedlings and vegetables seem particularly prone. And of course, slugs in the soil can damage potatoes. The control of slugs and snails really is as many methods as you are prepared to take, both uh, hand-picking, uh, using uh, traps full of beer, growing plants that are less likely to be affected and uh, potato varieties less likely to be affected. You can use pellets and there is a good biological control and another one of these parasitic worms that you water into the soil. It works very well against the slugs but unfortunately because snails don't spend much time in the soil the biological control doesn't work so well. Of course, we'll be compiling this list for for next year as well. And uh, we're always asked to try and predict what might happen. I think invariably slugs and snails will be in the top 10. And they've been number one seven out of the past 10 years. They may well, particularly if we get another wet year, be number one again. So slugs and snails are always a pest worth controlling. Vine weevil almost definitely be in the top 10. Uh, Lily beetle will usually be there. Ants will normally be there. And so these are all pests we need to keep an eye out for next year. But there's always the odd surprise. Hopefully Plum Moth will not be there next year, but what's going to replace it, we just don't know. So remember, um, if you're a member of the RHS, you can get uh, free advice as part of your membership on any of your garden problems from us here at uh, the advisory service at Wisley. And there are some pests that we do like to keep track on. Uh, We're keeping records of the moment via web surveys on the lily beetle, the rosemary beetle, the berberus sawfly and the hemorrhocallis gormidge. So if you see these, report your records. Senior RHS entomologist Andrew Salisbury. We're out of time on this edition of the RHS Gardening Podcast, sponsored by Visit Wales. We'll be back in a fortnight. Until then, remember to follow us on Twitter at the underscore RHS and like us on Facebook. For now, from me, Tony Dickerson, and all here at RHS Wisley, goodbye. I'm 
walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced-rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.